hope this works. Hey, how are you? It worked. Uh, it is Sunday afternoon, early Sunday afternoon, October 2nd at 1245. Your Purdue Boilermakers have improved to 3-2 and two by beating Minnesota in Minneapolis 20-10. to 10. I'm going to talk about it in just a second, but first let me thank my sponsors. Uh, uh, shout out to Martin Vintage, martinvintage.com. Enter Boiled at checkout, get... Um, Purdue style and uh, classic graphics from a Purdue family. Interboiled, get a little bit of a discount. Uh, head over there, martinvintage.com. And, of course, when you're on uh, campus, go to AJ's on Vine. Grab a sandwich. Grab a pint. Watch some television. Watch some football. Get some mac and cheese bites. It's okay. Live a little. It's a weekend already. Eataj's.com. Good food. Another Purdue company. Um yeah, Purdue got the victory yesterday in Minnesota in just the way you all thought it would happen, right? Uh, they outmuscled and out-toughed and outrushed the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And coming into the game, Minnesota looked like a bit of a juggernaut. So a couple things we know now that we might not have known quite as well coming into the game. First one, Michigan State's really not very good at football. Um, they got beaten again yesterday. One of the things that kind of uh, was was the... Um, the the basis, the blocks of building a, a case for Minnesota was how thoroughly they beat Michigan State. And Michigan State's not the team that a lot of people thought. I think Mich- I think Minnesota's a pretty good team still. Uh, Minnesota was out without Ibrahim, which is a big deal. He's a very, very good running back. Um, he was injured. He tried to give it a go. He couldn't. The odd thing to me the whole day is they kept showing him on the sideline with his chin strap buckled and his helmet on. Uh, Mo, my man. Next time you're not going to play, you can take your helmet off and just take it a little bit easier. It looked like he was on uh, on call and he thought he was going to have to play. Um, I love Ibrahim. I think he's a great running back. Um, I, I, I was uh, happy to see he couldn't play versus Purdue just because I, I fear that guy. I think he's one of the best in the nation. <clears throat> Is that the reason Purdue won? It's part of it. Um, but bigger than that, it took – so you had two teams. I said this on Twitter. You had two teams that – their identity is predicated on really one guy on the field right now, uh, offensively. Uh, Purdue really needs Aiden O'Connell to sling the ball, put it in tight windows, uh, take the risk that he's so good at taking, uh, get the ball out of his hands quickly, which he's good at. <clears throat> um, that's what Purdue's offense is all about. They, they throw the ball around the field. Um, and Minnesota, they really run the ball better than anybody. They got big linemen. Uh, they've got a system that is, uh, they got a run pass option quarterback in Tanner Morgan, who's fine, but he's not great. Um, and when he has to pass a lot, they're in trouble. They leaned heavily on their backup running backs. They are not as talented as Ibrahim, and um, it showed. So you had two teams performing a rock fight for three quarters of the game. Purdue started the game very, very well. The first drive went right down the field, and it was running the ball. It was uh, Dylan Downing. It was Maccabi just doing big things, and Purdue pushed the ball right down the field. I think um, in that drive, O'Connell had two or three uh, uh, completed passes as well, but he was not as he's not the guy that he usually is. He looks dinged up. But that drive was brilliantly designed. I think Brom, the Brom brothers, whoever was in charge of putting that design drive together, those you know those pre-planned plays, Purdue had practiced those. And they made a statement early. They got on the board. <clears throat> But pretty quickly, you could see some of that stuff was not going to work. When Purdue would get the ball back, they try to run the ball. Running the ball wasn't working. Minnesota made a horrible mistake early, and it was on the coaching. It was on the sideline. 
they decided to uh, go for it on fourth and two, I believe, on the 30, um, on the other 30, and they and they didn't make it. Purdue was Purdue received a gift of a possession very early in the game because of Minnesota's and um, specifically PJ Flex hubris, and Purdue only got three points out of that later in the game. Uh, Purdue had an interception, I believe, or a or received a fumble. Can't remember. It was a turnover. They got no points out of that. Even later in that first half, uh, Minnesota missed a field goal. Purdue got no points out of that. So you got three gift possessions where Purdue got a total of three points. On the other side of the ball, Minnesota had two gift possessions. Um, one of them was uh, the result of a fumble. <clears throat> I believe it was Maccabi. And the other one was a uh, interception. Uh, O'Connell threw a bad interception into quad coverage, if I remember that one correctly. And uh, Minnesota came away with three points from those two gift possessions. The teams were similar in that they were playing really sloppy, crappy offensive football both ways. Tanner Morgan never looked like he got into rhythm when he was forced late in the game to pass. He didn't look tack sharp. He didn't look like the guy that just went absolutely crazy on Purdue uh, 15, 20 years ago when he first started at quarterback in Minnesota. He's been there a long time. I think it's his sixth year, but I think he started uh, right out of the gates, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly. So he's actually started for five seasons because of the COVID year. That's a little bit different than O'Connell, who had to kind of ease his way in there because he was a fallback, remember, uh, because of injuries to both Blau and Sindelar a couple of years ago. Both of them experienced quarterbacks. Um, but O'Connell, let's, let's revisit this, didn't look great. I can read your stats, but I can tell you a lot of them without reading them. He had 199 yards passing. Um, he completed, uh, oh, where is it? He completed 27 of 40, um, so 67%, which isn't horrible. 199 yards is abnormally low for him, um, but this is where it really gets dicey. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and the two interceptions were pretty bad. Um, he didn't He didn't look like himself. On the other side of the ball, Tanner Morgan, I was just referencing this, he had more completions, lower completed, completion percentage than O'Connell. Three interceptions, zero touchdowns. So the quarterbacks weren't doing their jobs. How were the running backs doing? And so this is where Purdue really spaced themselves. This is where Purdue won the game, and that is really in the last drive of the game, the first drive, the last drive of the game for Purdue, the first real drive and the first drive and the last real drive for Purdue. Um, were bookended. Uh, uh, Devin Mockaby was important in both. Dylan Downing was important in the first one. Um, I think that's the run where he came left side off tackle, and uh, and uh, a lot of Tennessee fans hated to see that play because, um, honestly, Payne Durham gets the assist on that touchdown by really dragging, uh, dragging Downing into the end zone. I think that's the picture I chose for this post today. Um, and I do think it was an illegal uh, aiding of a running back. You can push guys. You can get them in a group and push them forward. That's legal. You cannot pull a running back. And Payne Durham started pulling it, and he kind of fell forward, and I think he grabbed him and pulled him in. Um, pretty good effort by Payne Durham, but uh, I'm sure Tennessee fans didn't like to see that, and that makes me laugh in itself. Um, so Devin Mockaby, though, he gets my game ball. Um, that That... One, I think it was a 65-yard run. I think it's 65-yard run. Really, it, it it took the game out of balance. Great play right up the middle. I was happy he was going to get the first down. That was really what I was focusing on because Purdue gets the first down. They were up three at that point. And you guys have heard this, and you probably felt the same way I did. Purdue up three 
with the ball late in the game. Jeff Brom's not going to take any risks. Minnesota's probably going to get it back. And I said, I said coming into the Minnesota drive before, Purdue made them punt. Purdue gets the ball back. Another chance to seal the game. And I said, when Minnesota got that ball the first time, I said, is this the drive for the West Division of the Big Ten? Because it looks like the West is pretty weak. Iowa uh, got beaten by Michigan pretty handily, just kind of a um, workmanlike win for Michigan. Wisconsin continues to look bad. Northwestern lost in torrential rain in Happy Valley. Uh, Purdue beat Minnesota. Um, Illinois, uh, that was a surprising game. Illinois beat Wisconsin. That was that was a very surprising game, the way they beat them, too. They beat them soundly. So who knows? Maybe it's an Illinois-Purdue battle. If, Purdue's got a lot of football to play, but they really needed to win this game to make those games important later in the year. Uh, but anyway, so so Maccabee's coming up the middle, and it looks like he's going to be able to fall forward, get the first down, keep that drive going, and be able, and Purdue can take some time off the clock. Instead, he made a very unusual jump, jump stop, jump cut, he jumps to his right, kind of a, I always say he looks a bit like a baby deer when he runs because his legs are so long, but he makes this jump cut and then he turns left because he beats one guy and he turns on the Jets and he goes up that left sideline, takes it all the way down to the three. I think he scored two plays later or one play later. Um, Devin Mockaby really showed why I like him. <laughs> he showed why a lot of people like him and why he probably shouldn't relinquish the number one running back a role because of that big play because that big play potential he's a home run hitter as they say when you want to cross your sports metaphors he's a he's a home run hitter he's a guy that can go big on a team because of his speed he gets out and open he's very dangerous he also we've seen he can catch the ball and we've seen he can finish runs and he's not he is just getting started he is young he's a red shirt freshman so Purdue could have three more years of watching Devin Maccabee um do big things. Dylan Downey, he averaged 3.2 yards a carry that second and third quarter. He struggled getting loose because Purdue's offensive line wasn't creating much space for him. But Maccabee finishes the game with 112 yards. So that's the second game in a row Purdue's had a 100-yard rusher. Pretty weird, pretty cool. Let's give credit to the offensive line right now. Right now. Sure, Florida Atlantic isn't Minnesota, especially in the trenches. I know that. Um, Florida Atlantic got pounded yesterday, by the way, if, you, if you're into that sort of thing, when you think, how good was this team? Florida Atlantic's not very good. They got beaten by Texas State or North Texas. Sorry, I, I really don't know, but they got beaten. They got beaten pretty soundly. Um, Purdue, that game was close because Purdue was trying to figure out what they're going to do on offense with a different quarterback. This game uh, versus Minnesota was played at Minnesota's pace, and it felt like Purdue was setting themselves up to lose a heartbreaker as they could not take advantage of opportunities. Don't get me wrong. Minnesota couldn't take advantage of those opportunities either. But there are a couple of key plays that really made it happen. One, of course, Maccabee's massive run that I just talked about. But the other one, uh, Cam Allen had a huge interception that stopped a drive that felt like it was going to, I think that's at the end of the first half, it looked like Minnesota was going to score. Instead, it ends on a turn turnover. I think Cam Allen... If I'm remembering correctly, had I think he had two interceptions, but I might be wrong. One interception. Nope, two interceptions. I was right. And then he had the one late in the game where he sealed that drive where it really said, okay, this game's over. It's over. Right after Maccabee scored his touchdown, put Purdue up 10, Cam Allen, that next drive, has an interception. Also, Wahlberg played great again. Wahlberg had uh, four tackles. He had an interception to add. And then on top of him, uh, of course, if you would have guessed this, you're a damn genius, but uh, Bryce Hampton led the team in tackles with seven. 
Uh, Branson Dean had a solid game, six tackles, and Fakasieki uh, had eight tackles. Um, he played he played really really well. And the big thing is the thing that Purdue's strong at that we can we can admit or we can say with confidence now is Purdue's Purdue's trenches are strong on both sides. That's that's a big deal. That really won the game. Purdue's defensive backs continue to struggle tackling um, uh, opponents in the open field. It was a real problem yesterday. Um, it was something that I think you can definitely say there's. Uh, it, it's not going away. It doesn't look like to me. It'd be awfully hard to say it's going away because it keeps happening time and time again. Um, but that front, Purdue's ability to stop the to the run up the gut is a big deal, and that's a boy. That's a prototypical Big Ten type of. Uh, Offense to run the ball up the gut, especially teams like Minnesota, teams like Wisconsin, who they play here in a couple weeks. Um, it'll be interesting versus a team like Maryland because Maryland is going to spread the ball around. Maryland is fast on the outside. It's going to test Purdue, Purdue's defensive backs. The best thing that could happen, and I pray it does, um, if Purdue can get Graham back, it's going to be a huge difference maker because he can do so many different things. And Jefferson's done a good job in his stead. Um, Hampton has done a little bit of that as well. But really, Jefferson has been the key to holding down the fort as Graham is on the mend. Um, let's get back to Aiden O'Connell real quickly, and then I'm going to look at some questions or comments in the in the margin. Looks like got a lot of people. Appreciate for you guys uh, tuning in live. Um, and I'm going to tell you about the title here in a second, if you haven't figured it out already. Um, so, uh, but Aiden O'Connell did not look right. Uh, we knew that morning he was going to give it a go. Um, I think he's struggling through a inj an injury that's a little bit tougher than I thought it was, but I don't think it's one where you have tears. I think he um, is banged up and bruised up and maybe has some strained. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about what I think it is, but I, uh, I just think he's not going to be the same player for a few weeks. I think he's going to have to get well in a hurry um, for Purdue to um, – actually, I take that back. For Purdue to go three and one, which some of you guys called me an idiot, literally, some of you called me that, for an idiot for saying it was a possibility or that should be their goal in October. Purdue can go three and one in October. But for them to go three and one in October, I think the most the, the most difficult game, I I believe, is Maryland. Um, and I think it's gonna be difficult because Purdue's going to have to get into a shootout. Purdue's offense does not look like it's ready to get into a shootout with a team right now. Maryland's defense, though, is good at letting teams get in a shootout. Um, but Purdue's defense has had the ability to slow teams down. Um, they've really done a very, very good job at that, except for, um, honestly, the fourth quarter versus Syracuse and the fourth quarter versus Penn State. Um, that's really encouraging. But Maryland will sling the ball around. If uh, Tagligalova, Tag Tag Tunga Viola, Tua's brother, is healthy, that's a big that's a big positive for Maryland because that he's going to define how good that offense is. Obviously, he's he's snake bitten with injuries. He's a bit like Penix. It's hard to perform with a broken Penix. You guys have heard me say that on Twitter. Uh, who's very good at Washington? Um, suffered his first loss of the season, I think, on Friday night. But um, yeah, he's a bit like Penix because he has to run the ball quite regularly. Um, and in the Big Ten, that is a brutal, brutal assignment to have a quarterback that his first weapon is with his feet. It's really not in in uh, in his case. He's really a very good passer. He can he can spread it around. He's got a lot of athletic receivers. So 
I that's the game. If I was circling one that is scary right now, it's that because it goes Maryland's strength versus Purdue's weakness. Purdue's weakness, of course, making tackles for yards after catch. Purdue Purdue's defensive backfield clearly is pretty good at rising the occasion occasion and turning the ball over, you know, getting teams to turn the ball over. It's not just a coincidence that this keeps happening that Purdue's defensive backs come up with interceptions when it matters. They're good at that. They are not good at open field tackling, though. There's no other way to say it. Um, they miss Jalen Graham. He is extremely important. Um, he covers up so many so many weaknesses for a team because he's so rangy and he's so strong. Um, they need him back. So hopefully he'll be back soon. So let me look at the comments here. I'm about 16 minutes. I want to get done here in the next couple. Um, Todd Singer says, great defensive effort. Yeah, Todd, I, I, um, I'm not sure if you give the game ball the defense, but that was awesome. They did exactly what you want a team to do in closing that game out. Um, I would give the game ball, like I said, to Devin Mockaby. Um, I just I think he was awesome. But also, if I'm going to give a second game ball out, it's the, the offensive line. They literally wore Minnesota out, it felt like, because they were able to bust up holes at the end of the game. Um, and all you need to do it was once. And that's the thing about when you wear a team out, right? When you're just kind of leaning on them and leaning on them and leaning on them over and over and over. Like both those teams were, both big, strong teams in the trenches. But Purdue was able to do it one play, and that really made the difference. And it kind of broke Minnesota. Mockaby punches it in two plays later or one play later. Um, yeah, so uh, Ruda Chris says, said this on Twitter. It, it feels weird to be on the other side of a collapse at the end of the game. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I, I remember reading you say that, Chris. I don't know if I'd say that Minnesota collapsed. I mean, Purdue had a big play, but... For me, for Minnesota to collapse, they had to be in the lead. Like that maybe, maybe I'm dealing with semantics and you guys can disagree with me. But if Purdue was up three and they lose that game, that's Purdue's collapse, right? And I felt like that was going to happen. I think we all did. I heard Jeff Brom's comments to his team. I haven't watched any of the media stuff yet. I might have a quick cast in a couple days where I, after I've um, ingested all that. But his comments to his team after the game were really nobody outside of the Purdue family believed in you. You guys heard us. We are diehard Purdue fans, and we are having a hard time believing Purdue could beat Minnesota because of the way the teams were, were set up and designed. Um, but, boy, it's great. I, you saw my stupid grin uh, if, you, if you're on Twitter after the game when I said I'll, I'll be doing a, uh, a post game here in the next day. But, I, man, when I get surprised like that, I'm in a great mood, and that was fun to see Purdue pull out a game in improbable fashion. Ted Berkey says, do you think playing Penn State – uh, and Syracuse before this game opposed to four cupcakes like Minnesota helped Purdue. Yeah, I do, but it also hurt them, right? Let's see. Here's why I say that. It helps them because um, they're battle-tested. Purdue is definitely a battle-tested team. They lost two of those battles, but now they've won two of those close game battles. That's a big deal. And learning how to, to flip it your way is a hard thing. That goes to the coaches. I know a lot of Purdue fans have disparaged Jeff Brom this season, rightfully so, for the team looking sluggish out of the gates. Um, the Syracuse game is the hardest one to swallow. I'm going to talk to you guys about expectations here in a second, see if you guys agree. Um, but uh, So it helps Purdue to play those difficult teams. There's no doubt. But it hurts them too, and I'll tell you why. Because... Uh, O'Connell was injured and had to sit out a game because of playing Syracuse. He got hit a lot that game, and that's because he played a good front that blitzes a lot. Um, so it helps and it hurts. I would I would much prefer, if I could pick any, an ideal schedule, I'd say you want to play a cupcake right out of the gates and get that garbage out of your system, be able to have the wiggle room, but 
Sadly, the Big Ten, I think, has stepped in on uh, schedules, and so many teams play their first game as a conference foe. That's awfully hard. Uh, and it's almost the exact opposite if you think about the way the SEC protects itself. I know the SEC, um, you, you look at the SEC, a lot of those teams have front-loaded weak games, and then they have that really weak game in the middle. They, By design, they'll play a lower division t- uh, team, and it helps them get healthy for the home stretch. The Big Ten, though, starting out with a, with a uh, I think half the conference does it, started out with a with a conference foe. It's really difficult. They're fun atmospheres. I mean, the Northwestern game was a fun atmosphere. The Penn State game was a fun atmosphere. Purdue has not come out on top on those yet, I don't think. I don't think they've won a first game conference game. Maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. So, okay, let me talk about expectations. Coming into this season, when I looked at those first five games, I really thought Penn State was a coin flip. Turns out it was a coin flip. I didn't think Syracuse was a coin flip because I was basing it on what Syracuse had been the previous season. I thought Purdue would beat Syracuse. Um, and I thought they'd beat, uh, of course, Indiana State and FAU. And then I thought they'd lose to Minnesota. And the reason I thought they'd lose to Minnesota is because that history, until a team shows me they can do it, which Purdue showed me today, yesterday. They showed me they can go toe-to-toe with a big, strong team and beat them at their game. That was a big deal. It's a big deal. That's a big deal for those big Purdue is a big, strong team. I said this before the FAU game, I think, is that's the thing I've noticed is how strong this team is. They're not very fast, but they're strong. They're built more like a Minnesota or Wisconsin team, honestly. And I know that's a weird thing to think about and say, but they really are. Purdue didn't have a lot of guys that fly around. And think about even on offense. Let's go further. Purdue didn't have a lot of speed on the outside on offense either. And we've become so accustomed as fans, to watch Purdue have a weapon that nobody can stay with. Charlie Jones is great, and Charlie Jones is a weapon. I'm not, I'm not discounting him. Um, but I'm saying Purdue has had speed at receiver in multiple places. And this year, I mean, they've got some quick receivers, and maybe they're just not finding them, but it doesn't look like Purdue has the speed that we're used to watching. Um, but Purdue, man, all of a sudden looks like a team that can run the ball and stop the run. That's pretty darn awesome. Um, okay, so my expectation, though, is if you say Penn State's a 50-50, and let's remove Syracuse because I was wrong. Purdue loses to Syracuse. I was wrong. Um, but then they beat Minnesota. You're kind of right where you should be or could have been, three and two. And now if they can handle their business, Brom teams get better. They just get better. They start rolling. They get momentum. They start believing in the system. I don't know why it takes that long for his teams to do that, but they do. So that 3-1 and one in October is very attainable. It's going to be difficult, but it's very attainable. And if they can do that, you have a, te- you have a season. I was talking to my wife about this. Purdue, as a program, has only had, I think, it's incredible. I think there's only been three nine-win seasons. I think this is true. Three or four nine-win seasons in the history of the program and one ten-win season. So if you can get up to eight or nine wins, you're getting into truly elite territory for Purdue as a football program, and then if we've got some idiots on here in the margin, which some of them step in here, I'm not talking about Purdue fans. I'm talking about people from other schools, other fan bases. That's fine. Um, here at Boiled Sports, we're a pretty level-headed bunch, and I think that may be why some of you like us and some of you hate us. But we understand the history of Purdue football. Purdue is a, has a uh, 55% winning record as a, as a program. So if you can get to eight or nine wins, you're getting in a place that's pretty elite. Jay really wants that 10-win season, and we all do. We want to see it because most of us are too young to remember 1980 well, and that's the last time Purdue finished with 10 wins. But you're watching Kansas right now, and this is the thing that kills Jay. You're watching Kansas right now. It looks like they're on a collision course with a 10-win season. Kansas, sure. 
Kansas had to pay for that 10-win season with 10 years of the worst football, college football of any program. Uh, I think I'll take the trade if you have to say, okay, Purdue's going to be kind of mediocre, but every now and again they're going to get up in near eight, nine wins. I'll take that. I'll take that. And I'm super happy with the way this program looks right now and the way this team looks, I think, can if they can get healthy, which I think they can in the next two, three year, years, two, three weeks, uh, boy, watch out. Purdue could be – they could be the best team in the conference by the end of the season and not even be playing in Indianapolis because they could lose the West and still you know, be up there in the eight, nine wins. So that would be a pretty good place to be. Um, Todd Singer says, Wisconsin is 0-2 in conference, as we all expected. Exactly, Todd. Um, Wisconsin is not a good program or not a good team right now. They're a great program. Not a good team right now. Um, Purdue's got to get that monkey off their back. This is the year. Got to happen. It's got to happen. Let's see. Um, Mike Ogg says, Purdue wins on Saturday against Maryland. They're going 4-0 in October. Uh, Michael, I appreciate your optimism. You know that. But you also have made some predictions this season that weren't right. So I'm not going to – not gonna. I, I appreciate the optimism. I'm not going to tell anybody not to be optimistic. So, yeah, they go 4-0 in October. Um, that whole – "Quote unquote special season thing is right back in play, and uh, and they're in position to get nine or ten wins, which is just incredible. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, Todd Singer uh, putting a little thumb in my eye right now. Todd, thanks for nothing. Marvin Grant is leading the way uh, for Kansas football uh, to its ten wins, and Marvin Grant has absolutely been awesome versus Kansas. Uh, it stinks. Um, I think everybody liked Marvin Grant." Unfortunately, Marvin didn't like us quite as much. He ended up at Kansas. Um, he hit hard. Uh, he didn't wrap up very well. And that's the funny thing is he's a lot like a, a lot of Purdue's defensive backs this year. They hit hard, but they don't wrap up guys and drive through them. Um, and Marvin Grant was so good at embarrassing people and just knocking their head off. He's done it a couple times um, for Kansas this season. It's been noteworthy. hes uh, I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter. Um, his highlights are pretty awesome, but that's the way he's always been. He's a... Um, he's a, uh, he's a, he's, he's a hard hitter. Um, he wasn't the best guy in coverage and he wasn't the best tackler. Michael had, Michael Hogg had one more point, And I think this, I, I should address this for closing out. Purdue had seven tackles for a loss, a loss yesterday. And they were actually getting pressure on Tanner Morgan. That was twofold. Part of that was coverage. Uh, Purdue's defensive backs were doing their job. Um, Morgan was not making decisions exceptionally quick. I think he felt like he had all day. That's something AOC has had a problem with, right? Not feeling or sensing pressure or hearing that clock ticking in his head. Um, and ironically, I'd say one of the key plays uh, yesterday, just keeping Purdue on the field, I think O'Connell had a big, um, there was a pocket breakdown, and he ran for like seven, eight yards to keep a drive going. It was like opposite day. It doesn't make any sense. Purdue really looked like Minnesota yesterday. They were not doing anything. Oh, I'll tell you what else was huge, guys. I think Purdue had four penalties. Let me double check that. Um, they had either three or four, and Minnesota had three or four. It was a very disciplined game, really, on both sides. Uh, stupid football, other than not being able to tackle, stupid football was kind of looked like it was a thing of yesteryear. So that was that was great to see. That was great to see, and that's a tough thing to cure. But uh, somehow, some way, Purdue looked like a um, a different type of football team. Well, I'm near thirty minutes. I want to say thanks again to our sponsors, uh, Martin Vintage and AJ's. I want to say thank you to, to you for tuning in live. Um, uh, let's keep our heads up. This is this is this is this is fun stuff to see Purdue uh, kind of 
fighting and clawing and scratching their way to a victory, even when they can't get the offense going. That's two weeks in a row, really. The FAU game was very similar, where the defensive effort at the end to close it out and the ability for offense to make one or two big plays made a difference. Sure, you guys and I would prefer them to win a game going away, and they're going to win a couple here this season just beating the hell out of a team. I, re I really believe that. Um, but, I mean, it's pretty nice to, to win a road game by just grinding it out. That's really awesome. So have a great day. Enjoy the weather. It's beautiful outside. A little windy from the uh, the uh, repercussions of Ian, actually, I'm told. Uh, it's windy in Indiana for that. Um, but it's beautiful out. Enjoy a wonderful fall day with your family. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll talk to you soon.